Metal Gods. As I always thought, Rob Halford intoned it. Much better than that, of course. So here we have a short documentary, 50 minutes, on Judas Priest. And if you think it's about the band, you're probably a little mistaken. Because what Music in Review is, which came out in 2007, is a run-through of Judas Priest albums. And as such, it's okay. We don't have much idea of how they got started or um, what they, you know, the, the history of the band. This starts really with Sad Wings of Destiny. As a Judas Priest album, it, it mentions uh, rock and roller. But, but really starts with Sad Wings of Destiny and then goes through the albums. We've got loads of these kind of um, old Priest albums ranked from beginning to end. You won't get that with this documentary though because not all the albums are given the same treatment. And one of the most important things when we have these basic documentaries is that you have to get the talking heads right. And what this documentary does is give us few talking heads, but I suppose they were there at the time these albums were re were released, actually, because it's those, uh, those older hacks, Malcolm Dome, Jerry Ewing, Jeff Barton, who worked for Kerrang, Metal Hammer, um, Classic Rock Now, other associated mags. And they tell us how they feel about these um about these albums it is great to see Jerry Ewing and it is even better to see Jeff Barton in his snazzy shirt very nice he's worn well not so good to see Malcolm Dome but then see him all the time I'm getting a bit sick of seeing him and writing and hearing and reading his writing to be honest with you but he provides some interesting insights what's even better is that you've got Chris Sangarides who produced some of those albums and he provides a really good view of how the albums were made and what he thought of them and how he got into producing those albums and really nice to see him. So we talk about Subwings of Destiny as being um, the beginning of a priest sound really and the uh, portentous and, and slightly proggy nature of that and they segue straight into Sin After Sin and really um, ignore that album because they want to get to the album that they think is the influential Judas Priest album early in their career to bring their sound, which is Stained Class. Chris gives us all of the, um, the idea of how that worked and, 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 and what they did with that and how he got to, to produce that. And they sort of segue into the stuff around um, uh, Rob Halford and his sexuality and the, uh, the, the, pr the production of the song Hellbent for Leather, which uh, Malcolm Doan delights in telling us people called Wellbent for Trevor. Ha ha. It's a different era, remember that. And of course, they, they talk about, well, we all knew that, um, that with his stage act, 
with his leather and whipping the sweaty men in the front row and all the rest of it. Um, Rob Halford was, was, was gay. And Jerry Ewing, for one, really, really reaches for this. He says, you only have to listen to songs like Living After Midnight. You know, it's about, it's about life after the midnight hours. Cruising, he says. If you want to find this stuff, you will find it. And he really does find it. He really does reach for that. As a discourse, it's not something you put in your dissertation, mate, to be honest. Then they disregard Killing Machine because what's next? British Steel, and they really want to get there. Shame, then, that they don't tell us anything we already know about British Steel. It's been covered so often, you know, from the... um, the thwack of the pool cue, just shaking the cutlery drawer when they were trying to add the sounds to that. So you don't really get anything new here. Um, all the talking heads basically say there's good stuff on it. Although Barton does say these are really well done pop songs, he calls them, and that's quite interesting to hear that. But it doesn't really do the album justice. As with most people, they deride the next cleaner US sounding album, Point of Entry. Ewing dislikes it, but Malcolm Dome, not for the first time in this documentary, really understands what they're doing and says, yes, they were pushing to break America, and we understand why they did that, and that's why the songs were cleaner. But Screaming for Vengeance melded that uh, commercial US sheen with a harder, heavier feel. And they really talk about um, Hellion and Electric Eye as the opening Two tracks melding together in the perfect opening for a metal album. They talk about doing that live and they talk about how that works. And actually, the way they all feel about that, they all, they're all in agreement. That really, um, that real concentration on those two songs is really interesting to hear. Then they ignore Defenders of the Faith because I suppose that's another album which is similar to Screaming for Vengeance. It's, but it's another really successful album and really broke them in America still. You know, it really continued that and deserves to be looked at, but not here because something contentious is coming up and that would be Turbo. Now, at the time, I thought Turbo was covered in, in, um, in keyboards and I understood at the time why they were doing it and we need to contextualise this. None of the people here and none of the authorial voice, and there isn't much authorial voice, contextualises where we were. Contextualises the softer rocking, coming into glam metal feel of that. Dome thinks it's brave, and so does uh, so does um, Barton. They both think it's a brave uh, push, and there are some good songs on there, and if it wasn't for them being on a Judas Priest album, you'd be liking those songs a lot better. Ewing derides it entirely. Um, Doesn't like it very much at all, and I understand that. It's a very, um, it's a polarizing album, not like Queen's Hot Space. That's massively polarizing. This, you know, is is an album that that they come back from. And the next album, Ram It Down, is rightly disregarded as it is a retread and them getting back to their time, but Painkiller, the real heavy, I suppose at the time, you know, uh, uh, Pantera influenced and um, heavier music influenced album, which is much loved by Judas Priest and metal fans, is a, a, a reinvention. That's what they call it. And Chris gives us 
the inner view of how that all happened. They all played together. And they went and did overdubs for, um, for guitars and that sort of thing. But the sound of the band together, coming together to make an, a, a, an album with a new sound, reinventing themselves, tweaking what they had already done, seeing bands who had taken their sound and moved it on, and them who were behind the curve having to catch up and doing that. It's really lovely to see. And also good to see the um, the leaving of Halford covered quickly, but not in a cursory way. The main comment being the band were really surprised. They didn't think this would happen. And we move into the Ripper period. And, you know, unlike some people, and I remember seeing Judas Priest at my local um, probably 5,000 seater having um, tickets for the the circle um, on the demolition tour which is the second album with Richard Owen R- R- Owens and being told sorry the circle's closed why because they hadn't sold enough tickets and they're sure that during this period sales of albums and ticket sales dropped off but Ripper Owens didn't do anything wrong and they are all very happy to tell us that Ripper Owens was the right person they waited to get him he could sing it he could do it the two albums Jugulator and um and pain and demolition are like priest but he put his own stamp on there they're not quite priest and that's one of the issues they're not quite priest so they're neither one thing nor the other it's a bit like uh, like blaze bailey stepping into the shoes of of dickinson you know that they're not quite priest and that's what we want but really we wouldn't want a slavish copy so he couldn't win really that's covered with um with a wry smile and with an understanding that Ripper Owens actually didn't do anything wrong, did as much as he could, and that's nice to see. Then we cover, and we've already covered it before, so I don't know why we need to see it again. We cover Halford's coming out, and with the interesting view that he said that if he was still, if he'd still been with Priest, or was planning to still be with Priest, he would never have come out because he didn't want to hurt the band in that way. And it's nice that all of the talking heads agree that uh, everyone thought he was gay anyway because of, um, uh, Jerry Ewing says, because of the way he minced around the stage. Now, I'm not saying that to be homophobic, but that is what it looked like. Okay, I'll take that. And they say that, that not only were um, writers and people in the industry not surprised, but the fans all thought, yeah, we thought that anyway. He's still the metal god to us. We don't care what his sexuality is. Can we just enjoy the music? And that's lovely to see. What the documentary then does, unfortunately, is finish that little section with a retread of Hellbent for Leather. Just to remind us that that was the song we talked about earlier on when we were talking about sexuality. So that's a bit of a shame because they they just subvert what they've done. Never mind. And we end... Because this is 2007 this is out. We end with the return of Halford and the delight and the hallelujahs that people had for that. And the uh, the album Angel of Retribution. And all of the hacks saying, this is the album we wanted. I love all the songs on here. Even Loch Ness, which I find incredibly dodgy. It could be an Andrew Lloyd Webber track for me, that. And it was the, it was hard, it was catchy, and Halford was back. But what we end with, which is great, is Chris Tsangarides saying, it's not the album that I would have liked to have heard. I would have liked a continuation of Painkiller. 
That's what I would have liked. They didn't do that, but it would have been lovely if they'd have done it. That's where we end. Nice to see. This is a cursory look through of some of the albums of Judas Priest. And I'm not quite sure why we've got it. You can buy it. You can, you can buy it on Amazon and other retailers. It retails at about 30 quid. And, you know, if you want to see it, then there are, I'm sure, other documentaries you can go to to look at all of Priest's albums, not just some. But you do get some insights with the people who were there when those albums came out. And Chris, of course, who was involved in the producing of some of those albums. And the quality of those talking heads does actually work. Three, three out of five ramble rating, so it's a fairly low score. But it's nice to hear that music again. And I need to go back and listen to and listen to Subwings of Destiny and stay in class. So, I'll see you later. Ta-ta.